Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The texts for today are, well, honestly, everything we've talked about so far today, and perhaps a little bit more. My dear friends in Christ, we have gone through so much in this service so far. We have followed our Lord all the way from the beginning of Holy Week to the end. Well, skipping, of course, Easter Sunday, because that's next week. One thing, if you've noticed, that we have not yet had is the account of the triumphal entry. And I think that's for a very important reason. One is that this Sunday, this Palm Sunday that we celebrate, is absolutely Palm Sunday. It's not a reenactment of what happened in Jerusalem that fateful day so many years ago. It is now a current celebration of how we see our Lord, the Son of David, coming into the city. But what is he there to do? Sadly, I think it has become for us this day a testament to modern, a modern approach to church, which is that, well, we're going to come on the Sundays and not bother with the rest. And so, as that has kind of progressed through our church, we have incorporated more and more readings surrounding this Palm Sunday. That's why we have the entire Passion actually read, because so many people will not be in church on Maundy Thursday or Good Friday. They will not see the crucifixion of the Lord, but they come from this day of triumphal entry and end at Easter. There's a little bit missing in between. But it's there for the pastor to make up for, well, a little bit of what we still might be missing. So if you'll permit me, I'm going to read just a little bit more. I know we've read a lot this morning. I've been the one reading. You just have to be the one listening. So I think that that's a little fair. We'll work this out. Mark 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, tell him the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that had cut in, they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see... We have that wonderful text, and somehow it's missing from the rest of this service. I think that's strange, but it is a sad testimony of where we are as the church, that, that we actually end up missing pieces of our Sundays to bring in other pieces of days during the week when, when people really should be just worshiping at our Lord's feet. Now, you might say, all right, Pastor, you've laid a guilt trip on us all through Lent. 
You've told us we need to be here at the midweeks. You've told us that we need to be here at Monday, Thursday. You've told us that we can't get to Easter without going through Good Friday. So why are you doing it again on Palm Sunday? Because it's my job. Honestly, part of it's my job is to remind you that there are things more important than whatever it may be. Our homes, our families, whatever it is, this is a little bit more important than that. Not, again, because we need to recreate the circumstances surrounding our Lord's Passion Week, but because we need to be reminded of the things that happened during His Passion Week, and we are invited by our Lord to be participants in this. You have to remember the the Jewish mindset of the day was things like the Exodus, the Passover. These things literally happened not to their ancestors, but to them today. They are the ones who came out of Egypt. They are the ones who were spared by the angel of death. They are the ones that the Lord guided into the promised land. They are the ones to whom the Messiah will be sent. And this is no different from what we have in church, where we are invited to participate every single time we gather in a very real thing, which is the supper of our Lord. It's not that this happened 2,000 years ago, and well, we celebrate the memory of it today, but that Jesus' body, and blood, his real, true body and blood are coming to us in this very supper because we are participating in the supper he instituted. It has continued on since that fateful Thursday. It has never stopped. And we are invited to celebrate Easter Sunday, every single Sunday that we're here at the church. Every Sunday is a day of resurrection. Every Sunday is a time in which our Lord rises from the dead, offering to us forgiveness and life and salvation. It's not something that happened just 2,000 years ago. It is, but it is continuing to happen today. The resurrection is still happening today, and the resurrection is still going to come until our Lord returns and the final resurrection happens. We are invited to participate in the life and death of Christ. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's why, though, this service is so long, because we've forgotten that. What do we do? What do we change? For you, it may be some real questions that you have to answer on your own. It may be. I can't tell you what's in your heart. I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. I'm just a simple pastor. That's between you and the Lord. But what I can tell you is is that participating in these very acts, looking at everything that our Jesus has done, studying his word, meditating upon it, making it part of ourselves, this is a good thing. Now, I read to you also the Palm Sunday Gospel. And I do that to ask you a very simple question. Is this the king you want? Is Jesus the king you want? Jesus riding on the colt, the foal of a donkey. This would be akin to watching tanks roll into your city, watching jeeps and fighter planes overhead, 
And the king, who's going to destroy all of them, rides in on one of those two-seater bicycles that you can find up in Door County with the little basket on the front and the seats in the back. That's what this is like. Riding in on something like this doesn't say, hey, look, I'm going to defeat everyone. Hey, look, I'm powerful. Hey, look at me. I'm going to be amazing. Riding in on a donkey like this shows that you're not interested in war. You're interested in peace. And you have to imagine, as all this is going on on this Palm Sunday, all the people are gathered around this Jesus, the Roman soldiers are looking out of the city walls and staring at what is happening and fearing that there's going to be a new riot. Fearing that these are the very people that they will have to take their swords and cut their heads off. Fearing that they may even lose their lives. And they fear that this Jesus riding on this donkey, as peaceful as and weird as it might seem, is going to ride straight to the garrison and start making war with the people. But what does he do? Did you catch it? He goes to the temple. Their war is made. And their peace is made. The wars, the battles we fight, Scripture tells us they're not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces, the darkness, the the demons, and the things that would do us harm in this world, that spiritual harm. Jesus knows this, and so, afraid, yes, he is, he's fearful of what is happening to him, he doesn't like the idea of dying and suffering, goes to the temple, calms his soul, goes to the temple, prays to his father, goes to the temple and invites you to participate with him in the life of Christ in this way. And so it is a very good thing that you are here today because you are participating in this very act. Jesus rides into the city and he goes to the temple You drove into the city and you came to the church. This is how we participate with Jesus. We do the things that he's done. Not because we're putting on some kind of play this week. Not because we're all about the drama. I mean, drama is great. Don't get me wrong. We are absolutely going to have drama this week. But we're not doing drama for the sake of putting on some kind of pretend thing where we all are like, well, you know, we're going to pretend that we are Jerusalem residents. We're going to pretend that we're the people who put Jesus to death. We're going to pretend that we didn't know that Jesus is going to rise from the dead on Easter. We know these things. It's not some drama where we're going to be surprised. It's drama to make you realize that you are participating in all of this. You are an invited participant. He wants you here. He wants to be with you. And he's going to be with you with you. That drama invites us into this life of the church and of Christ. And so we're going to do that. And so you are doing that. We don't just sit here and wave our palm branches because they look pretty. I mean, I look rather silly, I think, right now. But we do this because it reminds us that People welcomed Jesus into the city thinking that he was the king that they wanted. 
And not just a few days later, some of that same crowd would be standing before Pilate and the Roman garrison and shout out, crucify him. Because as they went through this week, they discovered a king they did not want. They discovered a king that was not doing things the way they thought he should. They discovered a king who cast the money changers out of the temple. They discovered a king who came in peace. They discovered a king who gets arrested by weak people that he can knock down with just a single word, and yet he lets himself go into their custody. They discover a king who, before the authorities, gives no answer. They discover a king who claims never for himself to be a king, but lets others pronounce that upon him. They discover a king that they hate. And so they crucify him. Is this the king that you want? If we are to answer this according to our flesh, the answer is no. This is not the king we want. We want the king that's going to restore the church to a position of power in our country. We want the king that's going to destroy all of the Republicans. We want the king that's going to destroy all of the Democrats. We want the king who's going to make sure that everything is right according to the social mores of our times. We want a king who's going to make everything right according to the social mores of 50 years ago, 100 years ago. We want a king who's going to do things the way that we want them to be done. And when we look at Jesus, he's not that king. He's not going to do things that way. We look at Jesus. We discover a king with his own agenda. I mean, we read his entire agenda this day. From start to finish. He has come that he might indeed die. Is that the kind of king you want? According to your flesh, it is not. None of us would want this. We don't elect a president thinking that he's going to die in a couple of weeks so that the vice president can take over. Nor do we want a king whose entire purpose is to die and not be with us in that way. And yet by faith, which trumps the flesh, we know that this is the king that we need. This is the king who dies to forgive our sins. This is the king who dies to bring us life. This is the king who will save us from death and the grave. This is the king that we need. It might not always be the king we want, but it is always the king that we need. He is the one who triumphs over the world and over sin and over the devil. He is the king who conquers in peace. He is the king who conquers with nothing but a single word. He is the king who is proclaimed king by angels and men alike. He is the king who has all things put under his feet. This is the king and the king we need and the king we will begin to want. As we participate more and more in the life of the church, as we participate more and more in the life of Christ, as we grow in our faith, as we're strengthened in that faith by the sacrament of the altar, as we remember our baptisms and how Jesus has welcomed us into his kingdom, we turn our eyes to the king and we see exactly who he is. 
your Savior, the Son of God, who has redeemed you from all of your iniquity and will indeed rise every single time you think about him. He rises, rises in your heart, and he reminds you that you indeed will rise from the grave just as he rose from the grave. You will see that this is the king that you do want. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.